0: The Zone
1: is presented by Guaranteed Foods, delivering all natural food to Midwestern families since 1958. Enjoy healthier food, more free time, free delivery, and better value. Go to GuaranteeFoods.com. All right, we'll continue right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. So there's news out there. Let's uh, bring in uh, Ari Temkin, Big 12 Radio, Sirius XM College, uh, Big 12 Radio uh, is our guest. Ari, as we bring you in, um, a, uh, a new Big 12 team or a team heading into the Big 12 uh, has a new athletic director, and it comes from an old Big 12 team that's now an SEC team, but local. And that is uh, Desiree Reed-Francois, Missouri's uh, athletic director, has agreed to be the athletic director at Arizona. Um, She, um, I believe, is an Arizona alum, so that would make sense if she's going uh, there, but... um, what do you make of uh, of this move there? Because uh, I will say that uh, uh, Missouri has been quite happy with Desiree Reed Francois, what she's done, the belief in Eli Drinkwitz, the money that's been raised. Um, it hasn't been great with uh, Dennis Gates this year, but the hiring of Dennis Gates looked awesome last year with making the tournament, winning the game. Uh, but uh, right out of the gates, real quick, uh, as we bring you on to talk Big Twelve, <laughs> we are uh, now talking about a new Big Twelve team, but now with a new athletic director in Desiree Reed Francois.
0: Wait. Did it just happen?
1: Yeah, yeah. it just happened. Like, uh, like just uh, two minutes ago.
0: <laughs> Literally. Wait, just Kind re- of relevant to you, no?
1: <laughs> very, very, yes. It's uh, it's very relevant. yeah, um, yeah we're, seems like a big deal to
0: you. Yeah, what we're, do you think of it? Yeah, um, <laughs> what do you think of it? Not happy
1: about it. Um, you know, not happy. Worried because Missouri's gone through some ads, and it looked like they found one that uh, has done a pretty Ryan. damn good job. And uh, she found Eli Drinkwitz, and... Um, You know, signs him to a uh, contract or, you know, uh, maybe not uh, finding Eli Drinkwitz, but believing in Eli Drinkwitz and signing him to a longer term deal. um, I don't know what to think of Dennis Gates right now. I don't know which other school she would have left for. Um, if it is that she's an Arizona – I have to look that up. If uh, I've just seen a couple of people say she's an Arizona alum. Is that right, Josh, that she's
2: – Yeah, so just the full sort of thing here okay. from Wikipedia. is a graduate of the University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA, and University of Arizona College cool. of Law. Okay. So I don't know – I don't know – To me, that doesn't sound like that was sort of what you may consider some of the more uh, formative alma mater type of experiences. I don't know if the uh, University of Arizona College of Law really parties or not. I'm not sure. Does it party? But maybe she spent some time there, presumably. Yeah.
1: No, I I mean, I would be worried. I'll tell you that. Uh, I'd be worried about what Missouri does. I I think she's done a really good job, and they have had some issues with losing some – uh, 80s. I think it's also a probably a, a pretty big surprise around college uh, sports today because there's a lot of people that are going. What? Okay, hold on. Uh, let me try to figure this out and what's going on there. Um, but yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of reaction throughout the day.
0: Well, yeah, and I mean, you know, I'll add Mac Rhodes, who's a sitting athletic director within the Big Twelve. In fact, yes. when you said yep. when you mentioned the Arizona piece. I didn't know what you, I didn't know who you were about to say because I had not heard you broke the news to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, uh, I, got, I got the
1: news broken to me while the music was playing,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: so I was wow, also that, trying to figure. Talk out.
0: Talk about epic timing! Yeah, yeah I, like what, I'm horrible time for me to be a guest. I'm sorry. Like, but, you're good. You're good, uh, especially especially given your background. But like, uh, no, so Mac Rhodes was certainly a guy in the Big Twelve that, that was thought of. He's an Arizona grad as well, and, and you know, and look, I, I think you're right, and and. Uh, About the way that Missouri's not being able to keep athletic directors and not to pour, you know, keep pouring on it, but like Arizona's also not exactly in the most fortuitous situation here. You know, they they had um, essentially more money going out than coming in, which is not something you want to be doing if you're running a business because I guess they, you know, they, they, you know, forgot to carry over a couple of uh, uh, zeros or something when mm-hmm. they were budgeting for their their year. So it, you, know, it's not as if you can. You always want to look at situations and wonder why are they going to that situation? What's that? You know, are they going to get more money? Is it is it a homecoming of sorts? You know, what's attractive to them about it? You know, to go from the SEC, to, and I know I'm a Big Twelve guy, but to go from the SEC to the Big Twelve, and then to go in into a situation, not only that, but, you know, that's where they they're might have to drop athletic programs. That yeah. is extremely puzzling, extremely puzzling.
1: So my issue would be and my concern would be that this is the – this will be the third athletic director for Eli Drinkwitz. So he gets hired by Jim Sterk, um, and then Jim Sterk steps down, um, and they bring in Desiree Reed-Francois, and the first thing she does is say how much she believes in Eli Drinkwitz and then gives him a contract extension, then gives him another contract extension, when after three years he was just sitting at 500 Um, and then he has this year that he had, gets another contract extension. But now she's leaving, so it looked like there was clearly a great relationship there between Eli Drinkwitz and Desiree Reed-Francois. So then whichever AD comes in, I hope they get along with Eli Drinkwitz because right now that's the best thing going at Mizzou um, currently is what's going on with that football program. And, and uh, if you're talking about the SEC, if there's one great thing going on with a, um, a, a program uh, of that caliber, you would hope would be the football side because of what's uh, going on there in the SEC. Now a new AD is going to come in and they better get along with Eli Drinkwitz. I don't know that you go to Eli Drinkwitz and ask him, you know, his thoughts but working together is going to be a big deal. And the other thing would be is that it puts even more pressure on Dennis Gates because now the AD that hired him is gone, and he's having a season where he may not win a game in the SEC.
0: Yeah, you're right. And and if you're Eli Drinkwitz, that first meeting you have with that new athletic director, when he walks into your office, you may want to have that Cotton Bowl trophy just out <laughs> and in the front, you know? Exactly right, yeah. <laughs> just got to have it like, hey, I yep. you, saw. But
1: understand, here's the thing, here's what you're walking into, understand that uh, what we're doing with the facilities, what we're doing with NIL, what we're doing with the recruiting, what we're going to be doing nationally in football, we're going to continue this thing, alright, and and that's that's the thing, the next AD had better have that on his mind, like that, the AD that comes in had better be the football focus. And can you hire a basketball coach? Hopefully he doesn't have to. Hopefully he just has to retain Dennis Gates if Gates can figure it out. But he, he or she may have to hire a basketball coach um, because an AD comes in and your football and basketball coaches are already in place. Well, then at that point you're looking at some of the uh, Olympic you know sports to hire those coaches if need be. Missouri softball is pretty good. But Olympic sports is to hire some uh, some coaches on that standpoint and fundraising. And the, 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 the SEC TV deal is pretty damn good. Uh, the fundraising isn't as big of a deal as it used to be. Still a big deal, but, you know, yeah, not the main and, thing.
0: And, and, uh, the other thing, and uh, B.A., I know we've talked about this in the past, but, you know, like the things that keep coaches in certain situations, that keep coaches from wanting to bowl to go to other places, mm-hmm. is that idea of cohesion. And, you know, I mean, think about J.B. Pollard as an athletic director at Iowa State. You know, with the way that he's kept Matt Campbell all those all those years, so much of it is, you know, in a shared vision. And not only that, but you think about T.J. Otzelberger now, and I'm I'm big on Iowa State as a, a potential Final Four team. And I mean, I, I think they're playing for a potential number one seed tonight against Houston to sweep them in a huge game in the Big Twelve. But he's going to go three for three in terms of three consecutive years of being in the NCAA tournament. Like this is a guy that's another guy that you know. Bigger programs, quote unquote, might come calling. But you talk about Nadine Jamie Pollard has done a great job in selling a vision, creating cohesion. you know, I, I would I would say a big reason why Travis Goff was able to keep Lance Leipold was, hey, look, we're gonna we're gonna build the facilities. We're gonna, I mean, without that and fan buy-in, Lance Leipold's not still at Kansas. So you're right. The importance yeah. of athletic director and head coach in terms of unity and vision. Mm-hmm. And, and especially now more than ever for where Eli where drink was a year ago versus yeah. where he is today
1: yeah yep uh, Ari tempkin is our guest big 12 radio series XM uh, college uh, is is who we're talking to well let's talk about what we uh, had you on to discuss and that is uh, this big 12 basketball season and uh, how uh, crazy it's been and you know how deep this big 12 conference is we've talked about that before uh, I'm curious as uh, we look locally here with KU now a game and a half back of the leaders with um, Houston and, and, and Baylor uh, outscoring Oklahoma by 21 there after they fell behind by double digits, um, is this a could this be a, a turning point for, for KU this year? Is this a coming-together moment uh, for KU that they found a way to get a win on the road against Oklahoma when they trailed by double digits and they were getting torched from behind the arc, which has been kind of the theme this year for KU in losses?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, look. The way Johnny Furphy played, he's just such an important piece that, you know, if if you get that consistently, now you've got a much higher ceiling than than what you do when you don't get those kind of contributions, you know, from a Furphy or an El Marco Jackson, but you've been getting those a lot more from, from Furphy of late. You know, in terms of extra contributions, I mean, Dewan Harris wasn't great. Neither was Kevin McCullough coming back. McCullough gutted the win out, and, and Self said afterwards, like a huge piece to the win. But he was certainly off, having missed the last couple of games. So, um, you know, it, 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 it. I think you need to build confidence certainly away from Allen Fieldhouse. Mm-hmm. You know, last I checked, you're not playing the tournament at Allen Fieldhouse. <laughs> right. So, it's it's important for this team to not, I mean, because you, you don't exactly have winnable road games to close out at Baylor mm-hmm. and Houston. So, you know, it was important to get a win on the road. And, I mean, look, it, it was nice to be Oklahoma because it was a, a ranked team. But, I mean, Bill Self and, and Kansas program, they've really dominated Porter Moser and, and Oklahoma of late. This is eight straight wins. Obviously, Oklahoma's now leaving to go to the SEC. They have not won one-and-out Fieldhouse house since 1993. So, for long-time rivals, Going back many many conferences, it's great that Kansas goes out, or rather Oklahoma goes out with Kansas really dominating the end of this. This and and by the way, Kansas got the win in football, having been dominated in football in that series for a long time. At least Kansas goes out with the win in football. Oklahoma <laughs> didn't get that win in basketball, which is great for long-term bragging rights. Yeah. Um, but it, it's kind of weird because like the center of the Big Twelve universe tonight is in Houston, Texas, and so it's bizarre, right, because we're not talking about the Jayhawks. Mm-hmm. Now, they did play – they did finish up a stretcher. They played four games in nine days with back-to-back Big Monday. so its I'm glad they're not playing tonight, but it's sort of ironic they have this break now because it's this, this is the story of the Big 12 here. It's not Kansas. It's Houston and Iowa State.
1: Well, yeah, and it's uh, – and, and unfortunately for Kansas State, like Big Monday is tonight, and if you say Kansas State's playing on Monday night at 8 o'clock – on an ESPN network. Great. They're playing big Monday. Well, they're on ESPN two at eight o'clock because on ESPN is Iowa state and Houston, which is two top 10 teams. Um, and, and K state has a big one to go down to Texas, which we can talk about here uh, in, uh, in just a little bit, but the committee reveal comes out and the top 16 teams that are out there, the big 12 has four in the top 11. Uh, Houston's a one seed. KU's a two seed. Baylor's a three seed. Iowa state's a three seed and the overall seed ranking uh houston three ku eight baylor 10 iowa state 11 uh this is it's such a massive game for iowa state and 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 it also points to how big of a game it was for ku over the weekend at oklahoma because if they were the final number two seed you know you're on the verge of uh, what they're looking at what you've done so far you start losing some games you fall back a seed line or two or three who knows and uh, I went and looked at all of the different uh, years that they've put those uh, previews and those reveals together, and what it meant for uh, the actual uh, selection. But the uh, the the win for KU over the weekend was huge, just to help out their tournament resume. And and K State, that to me is what's so significant and what hurts about that loss is that they're already fighting for their life to make the tournament. They're already scratching and clawing to be in the running to even be talked about as as close to a bubble team. Uh, and and to lose that game and give up a twenty to two run, uh, I don't know if it was the death knell, but they got to go on a really really awesome run the rest of the way if if they want to see their name come up on Selection Sunday.
0: No, and I'm glad you brought up the the little big Monday g- game tonight, yeah, right, which yeah. it, it is it is crazy to consider that. Uh, crazy three-point shot by Jamir Nelson, Jr., and now two days later and, like, a loss here. And, yeah, I mean, you, your season could effectively be over unless you have a run in the, in the Big 12 tournament. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I don't – you know, the Big 12 is as good as it's ever been, but it's not the same. Not all wins are created equal where it used to be, like, you know, last year it was, like, every win was a quad one win. Mm-hmm. It's not like that anymore. And if you got – you know, two wins against Oklahoma State, two wins against West Virginia, like that just doesn't mean as much when you're talking about eight or nine total wins in the Big 12. So I, I do think oh, it's a lot more about who you play. And for Kansas State, like, yeah, they – I mean, they, I, it's not a must win. I hate must wins. Yeah, it's literally mathematically a must win. I agreed. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it feels like, man, with the way they went out on Saturday versus now how they've got to play – Couple of days later, against the Texas team that just got housed by Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it should be interesting tonight. And then, you know, for, for Iowa State, it's really interesting, guys, because it, it them the difference between them and in Kansas is Kansas played a great non conference. Iowa State played nobody in the non conference. Iowa State has been a, a he, has been the best team along with Houston in the Big Twelve in Big Twelve play, without question. Kansas has not been nearly as good as Iowa State, so the committee is saying we're factoring in your your non-conference as much as what you've done in conference. I, I mean, I would even as a KU alum, I'd argue that Iowa State should be higher. Right than they beat them. I mean, it's too bad they don't get a home and home with them this year. But what what you're supposed to do to win the Big 12 is, is that's the path that Iowa State is taking, which is win all your games at home and just take a few on the road, and that's what Iowa State is doing
1: which is not easy to do. In the Big 12 this year winning on the road no. has been incredibly difficult uh, to find a way to do that. And Iowa State typically is a team that you would go okay, if there's going to be a team that would win all their games at home and struggle on the road, it's Iowa State, Ames and and Hilton Magic. But they found a way, you know, to go in and uh, and and go down to TCU and and win a game and to go to Cincinnati, which is not, you know, was like, oh, they went to Cincinnati and won. Yeah, Cincinnati's a pretty damn tough team and they go to Texas and win that game, and now they got a chance to go down to Houston and win this game, which would just be massive uh, because Houston right now the number three overall team in America according to the selection committee, and Iowa State can make a um, a real statement if they were to uh, to win this game because that back to back when they beat Kansas and then lost by Baylor by a couple of points, um, and and now they've taken care of business since then. This is the first time that it's one of those real like, okay, here's your chance to to not only add to the resume, but put a real feather in the cap of TJ Otzelberger and this Iowa State team because the last week or so has just been do what you need to do to set up that game going to Houston.
0: And if there was any doubt about, you know, oh, can Houston do this in the Big 12? You know, like they, they they were really good. They were elite last year. You know, in America, they were elite in the American Athletic Conference, and they're elite in America this year, and they're elite. I mean, they, they, as a KU alum, it's hard for me to admit, but they're the story of the Big 12 so far this year in terms of being the elite of the elite. They're, they're where Kansas should be every single year, and usually is. It's just Houston's there this year, yeah. right now.
1: All right, Tempkin is our guest from uh, Big 12 Radio, Sirius XM College. Um, does, uh, does does KU have a chance? I mean, they obviously have a chance, but they're a game and a half. Um, I, I mean, would it be better for Iowa State to win tonight? Because they don't have the tiebreaker over Iowa State. Uh, they don't play Iowa State again, but it gives Houston another uh, loss. Or is it better for Houston to go ahead and win and uh, knocks Iowa State back and then Kansas still plays Houston one more time if we're looking at how Kansas can maybe get a share of that uh, Big 12 regular season title?
0: I mean, how many losses do you think the Big 12 champ is going to have? Five. Five? Yeah. I think Well, so KU's got to win out then. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. I think they do have to win out. Yes. (laughs) So I mean, so you know, do I think they'll do it? No, probably not. Of course, they've got a shot. And look, I mean, you know, Bill Self never thinks about it this way. But if the trade-off is Kevin McCuller, no, thank you. You know, I, I'd rather agreed. I'd rather him get the rest. You know, it's the whole situation about how much time off do you give him? He's not going to have enough time off to get healthy, obviously. But can you give them enough time to get healthy enough? It's that whole balance. But, yeah, I mean, I'm – you know, at this point, I think this team can do a lot more damage in the tournament and not worry about having to win a regular season or even a, a tournament, you know, conference championship. I, Bill Self doesn't think about it that way, but that's probably yeah. the way that I do.
1: Nope, uh, I'm with you on that one. Ari Temkin, Sirius XM, College Radio, Big Twelve Radio host. Ari, you're the man. Appreciate the time, brother, and appreciate the uh, athletic director conversation to start off our discussion about Big yeah, Twelve basketball. Sorry about that <laughs> no, crazy,
0: it's crazy time, but I've got a good topic to talk. Be, be well guys. Take yeah. Do you do you, you
2: want the job, Ari? Do you want to? I think they're looking. <laughs> I'll take I'll take the paycheck.
0: <laughs> I mean, I
1: love the job. <laughs> Give me the job. I'll, I'll take the paycheck right now. That'd be great uh, just uh, you know what? I'll do 6 months. I'll just do it for 6 months. Be. I'll Nothing I'll wrong with I'll that. Step I'll step down. He's Nothing actually getting a call that. right now. He had he just picked He's up. He's getting he a call right it. now. It's... <laughs> Hold on. This is Missouri Eric. right now, huh? I got to go, man. Uh, all right, if you're just joining us, uh, news out of college athletics, and that is Desiree Reed-Francois, Missouri's athletic director, has accepted a job to be the AD at Arizona. Huh. Boy, I tell you what, I mean, it's m- maybe it's the element of her being an alum and going to law school there at Arizona. Maybe it's the element of wanting a challenge, changing conferences, a lesser TV network when it comes to football, discussions about dropping sports at Arizona, stepping in and maybe cleaning some things up to, you know, uh, uh, the next challenge that she got to Missouri and Eli was already there because I had said at first, you found Eli. I'm like, no, she didn't. Yeah, she got there because it was Jim Sturt because it was the issue of Jim Sturt goes and finds a group of ple- people and then the uh, um, board of curators like, yeah, go find somebody else. Yeah, we're not. The, these are not the names. Uh, go find it somebody else. Um, do a better job of finding the, uh, the next head football coach. And then they found Eli Drinkwitz. Did a pretty good job. But she has taken care of Eli Drinkwitz and has taken care of the money spent towards the football side of it. And until this year, hiring Dennis Gates looked at it as a pretty damn good move. The issue with Dennis Gates is going to be that whoever comes in did not hire him and they're walking into a basketball program that is barreling towards 0 and 18 in conference. That's Kim Anderson below <laughs> levels of not winning an SEC conference game. Um, yeah, that if this was year three, you're looking for a new head coach. It's year two. So what it does is the AD, then to Dennis Gates, if you're Dennis Gates, the AD. You're Dennis sitting there going there's a new AD here. I got 1 year. I got 1 year to figure this out because if I have another year like this next year and the AD is there sitting there wanting to hire, I'm doing what am I doing here? I'm the AD at Missouri. Eli, that's up and running. I just got to take care of him. I got to pat him on his head, I got to stroke the ego, I got to give him big hugs, I got to make sure the paycheck continues to cash. I got to do all of those things and with basketball, hey, this is where I can make my mark here. Okay, dude, you lost another season. Now I'm going to go get my guy.
2: And you could argue that his year starts now. Like, he mm-hmm. might not get a full next year, and it starts yeah. right now. As It'll far start as... whenever the
1: AD is yeah, yeah, hired. Yeah, yep. So if they hire an AD before the season's over, then that guy will get in and look at some things. But, yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree because right now Desiree Reed francois is gone. He had that in the back pocket of she hired me, they've got a great relationship, and I'll get probably at least two more years. After this year, I think Desiree Reed-Francois might have given him four, you know, um, because it was her hire. It's one thing when people go, well, you know, she was really good friends with Konzo and and that family. Konzo wasn't her hire, and it had run its course, and it's like, Dennis Gates being her hire, I think there's a decent chance she would have given him four years. He would be, you know what, I got two more years after this year to really get things up and running. That's not the case anymore.
2: The, the, the clock is
1: ticking for Dennis Gates immediately.
2: I, it totally makes sense that you're looking at it from Missouri's side and that here we probably should be. I am so interested to figure out why that's the job for her to, to move to because you are leaving what feels like one of the more valuable assets in all of college sports, which is an up-and-coming SEC football team like that has actually established itself as a winner last year and seems to be on that similar track. Going to one of the, like, refugee schools that that finds itself with the Big 12 that has, last I checked, a $177 million budget whoopsie? Like, that's... (laughs) That feels that feels like the job that somebody who got fired somewhere else comes back. and says, All right, no, I'll, listen, I'll come clean this up. I know that mm-hmm. I I know that I, I screwed up over here in the SEC. But let me Arizona, I'm gonna get you out of this, and then we'll we'll figure out. Then maybe I'll go try to find the nice job where so I can go bounce back to the SEC. Unless unless that law school, I think it was 1997 that she graduated from law school in Arizona. Hey, yeah, Pete Thamel says uh, 97. Unless that that connection has a lot of relationships with it that, that run really, really deep. Maybe she feels like the whole budget miscalc isn't like an actual thing that she's going to have to do that much work to get through. I, I have no idea about that. But at on the face, none of it makes sense. Leaving Arizona for Missouri right now would make sense for an AD to do. Vice versa, again, with what we know right now, that mm-hmm. that to me is the part that smells the strangest. <laughs> I can't smell anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting. It's really yeah. weird. But yeah. We haven't heard anything from the Mizzou side yet or anything like that. Hopefully we will at some point. Uh, I'd love it if it happened before 2 o'clock today.
1: Ben Fredrickson with the uh, St. Louis Post-Dispatch uh, tweets out uh, about five minutes ago. says um, There had been low-key friction between Mizzou AD, Desiree Reed-Francois, and certain members of of the Mizzou Board of Curators. Lots of university, quote, oversight, quote, that would su- that suggested lack of united front, hmm. but didn't think it was something that would lead to immediate departure. Comments on this should be something.
2: Okay. All right. all right, Something. So Give me something.
1: Well, uh, we'll see. So maybe there was uh, some things behind the scenes that were going on that she wasn't getting the the support that she thought maybe was warranted.
2: Lots of university oversight. Um, I'm interested to see if the the takeaway from this is Mizzou either ran her off slash let her walk or she looked around and said, nah, it's time for me to get out of here for some reason. Because as of right now, it feels like it could go either way. We'll take a time out.
1: We'll come back, and we will go down to Arizona. We'll talk some uh, some Royals baseball. We'll continue following this story as updates come in. We'll give you more of that. Uh, but Desiree Reed Francois leaving Mizzou as the athletic director to take the Arizona AD job. We'll take a time out. We'll come back, and we'll talk with uh, Jack Johnson, who's hanging out down in Surprise, more Zone next. <laughs> All right, we continue right here on Sports Radio eight ten WHB. Jason Anderson with you, Josh Briscoe, Dylan Michaels. We head up until two o'clock. We will uh, we'll be joined by Mick Schaefer coming up later on in the uh, in the show. We uh, certainly thank Ari Temkin for joining us in the previous segment, talking some Big Twelve basketball. Uh, and as the news about uh, thirty minutes ago or so broke that Missouri's athletic director Desiree Reed Francois will be heading to the University of Arizona taking that job. Joining us now is uh, Jack Johnson, who will be coming from some people's uh, jobs uh, here at 810 very soon. Uh, He hosts the uh, Locked On Royals uh, podcast and the Locked On Network, does the night shift. Certainly that's where you hear him a lot on Sports Radio 810. He's filled in on this show when um, I've been tired of hearing Josh. I get it. Um, You know, that makes total sense. You hear him on ESPN Wichita uh, and you hear him right now from uh, Arizona. Jack, what's up, man? How are you?
3: Hey, uh, we're doing good over here. It's Really damn hot out here. It's really
2: hot over here. Oh. Uh, there's
3: college baseball in front of me. Uh, i got a sunscreen, though, so so we should be all good to go, because if I start burning, man, I'm not going to be happy.
1: Okay, very good. What's uh, what, what college baseball are you watching right now? Uh,
3: right now it's Oregon State and Minnesota. Nice. Okay, so nice. Uh, that's a fun one. All big right, big turnout. Cool. Yeah, big turnout. That's,
1: uh, that's very cool. So, how's it been? What are you there? This day two or three for day you? Day two. Being? Okay, day two. So, um, how's it been when you uh, when you first got there over the last twenty four hours or so and uh, sort of getting acclimated and being around uh, baseball and hearing the crack of the bat and seeing the guys out there working out and just getting in the fields of uh, of spring training.
3: Oh man, there's there's no better sound out there in sports than the crack of the bat, the the cleats on the dirt, and then obviously the glove popping and. You know, fortunately for us yesterday even though it was a Sunday uh, a lot of pitchers were out here not the not everybody was out there working of course there were a couple of position players but today uh, really is the big day uh, there are tons of guys out there now the whole team's out there in fact and uh, maquatrero is actually speaking to the media at this point in time we'll be having plenty of coverage yeah. with that but yeah, it was great to see a lot of these guys in action. You know, uh, got the chance to see some live BP uh, yesterday. Um, got a bullpen session from Daniel Lynch. Got to see Seth Lugo for a little bit. You know, you get to see these guys in person for the first time. And, you know, one thing that struck me, there's a lot of big dudes out <laughs> here, man. You could you could have an NBA All-Star team out here with the height of the Royals guy. You know, Michael Walk is a big dude. Daniel Lynch, big dude. Lugo, uh, two guys that really snuck up on me. Matt Sauer, rule five pick, he's like 6'6", 250 it feels like and uh also James McArthur big dude at 6 foot 7 but uh yeah i was really impressed uh, so far as little as you can see you really obviously you're just you know throwing and catching right now uh, but glove was popping for a lot of guys uh, and throwing hard Daniel Lynch was somebody that you know stood out to me i'm sure he was sitting anywhere from 94 95 96 uh, but yeah, great to, to see live action baseball, not just this college game in front of me, but Royals baseball right around the corner.
1: What's the mood and the feel around there? Because it feels like from, um, from here, just about... The offseason acquisitions, the moves they made, the guys they brought in, that there's a lot of excitement around this club. There's uh, certainly a thought that the Central is winnable now. And it's not, hey, you know what, last year was an evaluation year. Eh, this might be one of those. Maybe last year was an evaluation year because that's what they called it, but they're not really serious about spending money. But they went and spent some money. So there's certainly raised expectations How's it feel? What's the mood around there with those heightened expectations uh, with there being people back home that are looking at it and going, all right, now let's see what you guys can do. It's no longer just going out and having fun and playing baseball, and you can't believe there's a third deck on the uh, stadium you're playing in. Um, you are got to go win games now.
3: Yeah, tons of juice out here. I think you can really tell that this team not only believes they can be a lot better than they were last year, I know it was a low bar, 106 losses, but – They really all feel like they can compete for this division. Uh, That has been the message all offseason long. I get it. It's spring training. Everybody's optimistic. And, you know, even the teams that are going to lose 95 to 100 games, they feel optimistic right now. But I can tell you, you know, I've been down here a few times, uh, sometimes as a fan, to see, you know, the Royals in surprise. And you could tell there was juice within the team. But I think it's different. You know, coming off a season like last year and to revamp this entire team, the bullpen has five new faces. Uh, This lineup has a couple of new faces. Then you have guys like Vinny Pasquantino coming off injury that is just, you know, ready to be back. He described himself as like a caged animal uh, that (laughs) wants to break out and really show everybody, hey, I'm not just this player that everybody thinks is good. I can be a really good player, one of the best first basemen in the American League. And then you got your stars like Bobby Wood Jr. and Cole Reagans out there that everybody's going to be talking about, but collectively – Man, we've heard now back-to-back days in the clubhouse just how the veteran presence that sounds a little cliché, but these young guys that are there for the first time, Matt Sowers a rookie with this team, I talked with Carter Jensen, local kid this morning. Nice. You know just how comforting every everybody is around there, how loose everybody's keeping it. And you know what? I would say that, you know, confidence there's a lot of different ways you can show it, but for young guys and guys that are all coming from different areas to have that that clubhouse of just A loose atmosphere almost right now. You know, it's spring training. Everybody's getting used to it. You know, we remember back kind of in the Mike Matheny era, not to take a shot at the past regime, but remember it was like a tense clubhouse. You know, everybody was just very tensed up and they weren't winning a lot of games. I get a different vibe now. I think it's very laid back. They're very competitive. They want to win so badly. But first things first, to make everybody feel comfortable, like we're all in this together, whether you're in Triple A, Double A, or the big league level, we're ready to go, man. And the message seems clear they want to go compete for a division title. You may not believe they can, but they sure as hell do think they can.
1: It's funny the uh, the Mike Matheny reference there because, you know, when the Royals are losing and Mike Matheny's the manager, it's like, man, it's just it can't be a grind every day. And if Mike Matheny's the manager and they're not winning, just that grind of having him being in your face and such a uh, such a, a a guy who brings all that energy and um rah rah and then you go to Matt Quatrero and they're losing, and it's like, why doesn't MacQuatero yell? He needs to be yelling. Why isn't there some rah-rah speech? You know, every day, like these guys are coming out flat. It's it's MacQuatero, you know. Well, one, because baseball is not football, so you're not getting them riled up to go out there and play one amazing uh, football game one week. Uh, you know, it's one sixty-two, but it's also, you know, who are the players? And so now I do wonder. What it will be like with Matt Quattrero if last year was, in fact, in reality from the top down. And certainly it seems that way with the money they spent, Jack, that it was an evaluation year. Well, definitely they're evaluating Matt Quatrero, but he's also evaluating. So I do wonder how much different maybe his managerial style will be of I'm learning on the job. I'm learning some things about these players. We obviously want to win. But we're not winning the Central. We're not making the playoffs. We're barreling towards 100 losses. 98 losses and 106 losses might be the same to a lot of different people. The 100 is the only difference to say, well, that was a 100-loss season. Yeah, because the Royal season would have been better if they only lost 99. I mean, it's just, it's a number. I wonder how much different Matt Quatrero may be and how he handles guys in the clubhouse, how he manages now that there's going to be some expectations on his shoulder.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think last year what was always going to be, you know, let's just call it as it is. It was a disaster. You lose 106 games. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. That was a, a very bad baseball team. But I'd imagine when J.J. Piccolo and John Sherman interviewed him, that was brought up of, hey, you're going to be a first-time manager, but let's be honest, you got to wear it in year one. Uh, we're not going to spend a lot of money. we got to figure out what a lot of these guys can do. I remember at the end-of-the-year press conference You know, J.J. Bacol mentioned that we wanted to find out a couple different things in this evaluation year. You know, can Bobby Wood Jr. be the superstar that we need him to be? Uh, Check that box. Uh, They also, which I thought was interesting, they wanted to see specifically if Kyle Isbell could play center field. They feel like defensively he can be that guy. They just need the bat to come around a little bit. They wanted to identify who they could really put into this starting rotation. And they found out they really could only keep one guy from their past you know, draft picks in Brady Singer. They brought in Lugo. They brought in Waka. uh, They brought in Cole Reagan's, you know, middle of the season last year. So that was a bit of an overhaul. The bullpen, they wanted to see, you know, which guys could really handle the high leverage situations. Well, there's five new names in the bullpen uh, that were added this offseason. So clearly they wanted to revamp that group. But for Quotrero, I don't think you're going to see too much of a different change in his personality. Uh, That's one thing J.J. brought up that, you know, he's not going to get too high, not too low. If you're Mm -hmm. expecting him to, to scream and get ejected, Hey, he got ejected, I think, two or three times last year. But he's he's a very mellow guy, and I think the players really gravitate toward that. I mean, let's be honest. This isn't high school. This is the big leagues. These are all big boys out here. They don't need a guy you know, barking down their neck twenty four seven about telling them the rights and wrongs of what they're doing. You can also be a motivational coach and somebody that can really manage. That's why it is called the manager. You are managing a bunch of people here, whether they're twenty one years old or thirty eight years old. And I think MacQuatraro is the right guy for that job. And I didn't read in too much to what the record was last year and how much that fell on Mac Could they have been better? Could he have handled a couple different situations better? Of course he could have. He was 106 games, all a lot of shoulda, woulda, coulda. But there also wasn't much to work with here. Yeah. I mean, the bullpen had a different guy in there every single week. The rotation couldn't go longer than four or five innings at times. Therefore, your bullpen's depleted. I mean, how many times did they have to run Barlow out there for two innings or Hernandez out there for two innings? I mean, hell... In September, you know, James MacArthur I spoke to, yeah, he's having to have six out saves out there for a team that mm-hmm. yes was getting hot in September, but they were just so worn down, so exhausted and this year, it's going to be different. You have more proven guys, and I would say they have significantly raised the floor of this ball club.
1: We sarcastically mentioned at the beginning of the show when we were going to talk uh, Royals that you know spring training going on and pitchers and catchers and position players there and workouts and hey, you know what? This team finished fifteen and twelve in September. That's pretty awesome, man. We've never ever talked about a team finishing in the Royals hot <laughs> going into the next year. Obviously, sarcastically uh, discussing that. Is there anything? To that this year, to where if they finish that way, is there a belief with the younger players that, hey, this is possible, and now you bring in uh, a number of guys that have been there and done that, that, um, that there could be that starting point, that carryover to the starting point this year that has been lost every single April since we've talked about, hey, no, 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 this team finished awesome in, uh, in September. You know what, Jack? You see what Mondesi did in September? I'm, I'm telling you, I'm getting, I'm getting excited out of Burtzell. This is the year he's going to put it 50, 50 stolen bases, maybe, I think, for him. Uh, is, there, is there any connection this year with the moves they made and the fact that they were playing some better baseball from the younger uh, guy's standpoint last year?
3: Well, you know, I've always hated the saying in baseball, like uh, meaningless games. If you're, you know, 55 and 104, these are meaningless games. Well, no, they're not. I mean, these guys are playing for their jobs here, and that was an evaluation year. If they didn't perform, there wasn't a guarantee they were going to be on a big league roster next year. So these games mattered to those guys. And I believe in this sport, it is all about confidence. If you believe you can do something, that's one thing. If you actually see yourself do it. That's another. And what I loved about September, even though, you know, you can throw that away. It was a bad season. Like, at the end of the day, they were playing teams that were competing for playoff spots. Mm -hmm. I continuously go back to that Houston series in which they swept the Astros. The Astros were not playing for nothing. They were playing for an AL West crown. Now, they eventually got it, but the Royals made it a lot tougher on them. And if you want to hang your hat on that, that's fine. But for the players, I think that was important for them to be in an atmosphere like that, a sold-out crowd everybody's against them, and they still have to you know, step up to the plate here and have the big hit. The, the pitcher has to take them out in the one-run game and slam the door in the ninth, and they were able to do that. Now, I think they also aware of the fact that they're not going to get the support of fans because that's been that way for now mm-hmm. five to six years of, hey, they looked really good in September. That's obviously going to carry <laughs> over, right? Well, no, not really the case. And I'll be honest with you, the April start here, there's a lot of good teams there. There's going to be, yep. you know, a couple of series where they get playoff team after playoff team after playoff team. But that's why you bring in some of these stable guys. I mean, I brought this up this morning on the Border Patrol. Last year, the first three starters uh, for the year, it was Zach Grinke 40 years old. Jordan Lyles, who's now the number five, and then it was Brad Keller as the number three. The number three starter for your team this year is one of your most expensive players, and Seth Lugo. So that goes back to raising the floor and bringing in guys that know how to handle long losing streaks, that know how to handle the dog days of summer, or they handle those environments. And last year, it was kind of throwing a lot of these guys to the Wolves. And some of them, quite frankly, just couldn't handle that type of spot. But when you piece together the young talent you have, the potential, and then bring in proven guys. It's kind of a mix that we haven't seen in Kansas City really yet. I don't think it's comparable to 13, 14, and 15. This is really a new age of the Royals. You have a lot of guys they spent money on. You kind of have your guys of the past, and you have your young potential guys. If it all meshes together and it works out, yeah, I do believe they can hang in there for mm-hmm. a chunk of this season. What's going to be the difference if they can get themselves over the hump? Because there are going to be fans that go, I don't care unless they make the playoffs. We'll also understand if they win 76 games this year, that's a 20-win improvement from last year. You can build on that a little bit. But to get to the point where I know a lot of fans are trying to be optimistic about it, of winning an AL Central title, getting a wild-card spot, well, then it's going to come down to can Kyle Lisbell get that bat going? Can MJ Melendez be the corner outfield spot you have? Mm-hmm. Can Nelson Velasquez be an everyday DH for 140, 145 games? And then also the question of can Brady Singer bounce back? Yep. Can Jordan Lyles bounce back? And how can this bullpen stabilize? You know, Detroit last year – Putrid offense, could not do anything but hit with runners in scoring position. And J.J. McCullough brought that up. It was like they didn't have many opportunities, but they cashed in every single time. We had more opportunities. We just never cashed in. But you look at the Detroit team, bad offense, pretty good rotation, really good bullpen. They finished second in the Central and were in the hunt until September. If you gave me that guarantee for the Royals this year, I would take it in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, me too. I would take it right now. Uh, if, if, if they could be in contention. It, it, you know, just start off with a season that we're not counting down the days to Chiefs training camp in July mm-hmm. and and saying, well, we're watching Royals baseball because Bobby Witt gets me to the TV. No, I'm watching Royals baseball because I'm watching scoreboard watching because I'm seeing what the Twins and the Guardians and the, the, the Tigers are doing. Probably not the White Sox. Hopefully that's the case. You're not worried about the White Sox being ahead of you. The Jack Johnson's our, our guest. He's down in uh, Surprise, Arizona. You mentioned Daniel Lynch earlier in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And and that that struck a chord with me as you were talking about it, because going back to this time last year, we found out it was going to be an evaluation year. But this time last year, there were so many of the well, you know, if this happens and if that happens and if this can take place and if that can take place, you know, you start to see this vision of how this team can be good this year. But there were about 15 different ifs. And Daniel Lynch was one of them. And it was like, you know, if Daniel Lynch, you know, can, if he can stay healthy and be on the mound and, you know, he's got all this stuff and people like what he can bring to the table. And if he can bring one of those guys in the rotation. And, and you talked about Daniel Lynch and I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel Lynch on this team too. It's because it's Reagan's and Lugo and Waka and, and uh, Brady, if Brady Singer can, can respond and Jordan Lyles. If Daniel Lynch goes out there and shows something, well, that's awesome. That's a positive. That's an added. It's not an imperative. Uh, this year as opposed to the last couple.
3: Yeah, I mean, and the crazy thing about it is last year you're talking about, can Daniel Lynch be that guy? Can he take the next step? Mm-hmm. And Jason, I, I, there's no guarantee he makes the roster at, yeah. at this point. They've yep. just added so much uh, different type of talent to this team. I mean, the rotation, let to be honest, it's filled out. You mentioned the four guys there, and then Jordan Lyles, he's here. I just walked into the <laughs> complex with him today. So he's here, and he's probably going to be the number five. Then you go to the bullpen. Well, they just acquired John Schreiber from Boston. That's Mm -hmm. another bullpen guy. So there's five new faces. And then who do you bump out for Daniel Lynch? John McMillan? Probably not. I don't want to put a 101-mile-an-hour fastball down in AAA, Do you bump Carlos Hernandez. Again, a super elite stuff, maybe not the best mm-hmm. numbers, but I don't want that down in AAA. And then, you know, who is it? Who's the odd man out? Matt Sauer's a Rule 5 pick. He doesn't make the team. you got to send him back to New York. So it's good competition yeah. to have, though. And that's what J.J. said in the offseason was we have guys that can bounce back, but we're not counting on those guys to bounce back anymore. You can't go into spring training going, well, you know, Daniel Lynch was really good for a period of time. We expect him to be good for a full season. Well, if he is, great. That's mm-hmm. all better for the depth. But if you're trying to win games, if you're trying to compete for an AL Central title, you have to get guys that have actually done it before. Yep. Uh, Seth Lugo's done it. Walker's done it. Uh, even Reagan's, you know, the upside's there. Potential's there. But he's also never done it for a full season. So you want to limit the amount of guys that you're just hoping can be good. you got to get a lot more proven guys. And Daniel Lynch, if he pitches his ass off here in spring training – plays really well, you know, has a couple of extended outings, fastball has good life to it, the slider he's been working on, you know, tailors up a little bit, well, then maybe you have a decision on your hands that you he forces his way onto yep. the roster. But the good thing for the Royals, it's not like, well, they got three bullpen guys, how do we piece together the rest of it with minor league deals? No, there are proven guys that were good last year for this bullpen. So for some of these guys with extra competition, like Michael Massey at second base, they like Michael Massey a lot. They brought in Adam Frazier, who started 140-some games for the number 1 seed in the American League last year. There's good competition here, but it's all better for it. This team needs competition because you're not going to go through a full season with the same guys you had on opening day.
1: We'll let you go with this. What are you watching for early on while you're down there in uh, Surprise?
3: Yeah, I think we'll get a good look at at some some scrimmages a little bit later on in the week here. Um, Can't wait to see Vinny Pasquantino, man. It it seems like this is the healthiest he's ever been as a member of the Royals, and he's a well-above-league-average hitter with one arm, basically. So I am excited (laughs) to see uh, what he's going to look like down this weather. You know the ball is going to be flying off the bat. Nelson Velasquez, another guy with huge, huge pop that – I uh, can't wait to see him take a couple of swings here. And then maybe there's a couple more of these bullpen sessions from the guys I'm not as familiar with. And that goes down to A. Will Klein through the other day. You know, Steven Cruz uh, pitched a little bit in Kansas City in September. Like, some of these guys with, you know, good life on their fastball, good potential, but they don't have a spot right now because you know at the end of the day depth is what makes these teams good. It's not just the guys you start with.
1: Jack, great stuff. Enjoy it, man, and uh, we'll catch up soon.
3: Hey, sounds good. Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: Absolutely. There's Jack Johnson. He is uh, down there in Surprise, uh, covering the Royals for us and doing a fantastic job. And, uh, yeah, it is uh, It is that time of year. And uh, certainly there's a lot of excitement, a lot of hope. I know I have that, but that's typically why I end up having to buy lunch when the Royal season is over. So <laughs> not going to get me this year. Ah, they're going to get me this year. That's it's just it's what it does. I can't help it, okay? I embrace my inner Hope Springs, my inner, try to find the positive in this season as to how it can be fun. Find the labyrinth to go through to get there to the end. Find it, okay? The Royals haven't for a while, but I keep trying to do that, you know? Maybe.
2: You can embrace it all you want. Just don't embrace it in the gambling accounts this year. Too
1: late. I right, wrap things up here in this 11 o'clock hour. We will talk with Josh Kaiser, One Royal Way Podcast host, KCSN. Get his thoughts on the Rawls. Mick Schaefer will join us in the 1 o'clock hour, KSHB 41 sports director. We got Learn Funniest Best. Uh, still hear from um, Rick Patino. his thoughts on his terrible team. The great meme of, we're all trying to find out the guy who did this. <laughs>
2: Head coach complains about quality of basketball teams.
1: We're all looking for the guy who did this, okay? <laughs> Not sure who it is. We're going to find him, though.
2: <sighs> Weird that Rick Patino seems to have, I don't know, impulse control issues. Wait, what's that mean? Nothing. Nothing, dude. Oh, for Luke. his team. Uh, yeah, it's just crazy. This clip is almost two full minutes. Good for him.